Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Score, the podcast. The only show taking you inside the studios of the world's most celebrated composers and musicians. Coming to you this week from Santa Monica inside the Remote Control Productions studio. I'm your host, Kenny Holmes, alongside my co-host, Robert Kraft. Hey, hey Robert. Kenny. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. This is not only one of the most wonderful locations in film music, Remote Control. It's a mecca. It is truly a mecca. But Ramin, in this wonderful room, which is kind of reserved for, in many ways, a very special talent. The corner, the corner suite, as it were. And the so, corner office. Yeah, corner office. So Ramin being in this room, uh, it'll be fun to bring him in in just a minute and ask him some questions about Westworld, Game of Thrones, all the great stuff all he does. All the great stuff. I uh, also want to introduce our executive producer on the board, Matt Schrader. Hey, Matt. How cool to be here, guys. Yeah, this is, this is really... I'm, I'm pumped. Obviously, you know Ramin's work, Ramin Javadi, and it is Javadi, we found out. Javadi, yeah. It's commonly said wrong... Jawadi, but it's Javadi. So we are setting the record we're straight. To, yep. Yeah, this, the, from here on out, it's being said correctly. Good. Uh, huge hits on TV, of course. Game of Thrones, uh, Westworld, which is returning for season two this Sunday. Also, uh, a huge new series with Amazon, Jack Ryan, that's coming out later this summer. Person of Interest, Prison Break, and then of course, uh, big movies: uh, Iron Man, A Wrinkle in Time, and Pacific Rim, and also. Some huge video games, Metal, Medal of Honor 1 and 2 and Gears of War 4. All over the place, all kinds of big video games, TV shows, movies. I think it's kind of uh, awesome to even imagine this level of output. For people that think about being composers, um, this is a level of music creation that is, I think it just transcends a kind of human ability it's a superhuman ability to write this amount of music and as we know in Ramin's work it's great music also in today's episode a new music psychology series featuring Dr. Sue Lantan who oh. is prominent in our film score a film music documentary and then we're also going to play name that score with Ramin and the topic today Matt Hans Zimmer scores from the last 20 years or so nice uh, some awesome. great ones uh, and some of them that Ramin may may have even been involved in and probably right here or down the hall, we're here in remote control where Hans' studio is located as well. Yeah, and he used to be right in this room that we're sitting in. When I first came out here, Hans was here. This was pretty much the extent of remote control. Now, of course, it's a whole city block of composers and great studios. But Ramin being in this room is special because the you, you got to imagine you got to imagine the vibe is. The vibe is strong. Do you remember any movies Hans scored while he was working out of this room? Were you were you involved in any of those? We worked on a movie called Broken Arrow. Mm. Oh yeah, okay. John Travolta, John Travolta Christian, Christian Slater. Slater. I remember that and movie. I remember one aspect of that, which is Hans said at one point in Hans's brilliant, insightful way. You know, this is really a western, 
And I said, well, it's actually kind of a nuclear disaster movie. But and they're out in the desert right. and it's very... He said, no, it's a Western, like one of those kind of Ennio Morricone spaghetti Western sounds. You know, we should get that sound of Dwayne Eddy playing the kind of twangy guitar. <laughs> and I thought, that's an interesting idea. But in Hans's world and mind and inventiveness, he did the next indicated thing. He called Dwayne Eddy who I didn't even know where you would do that. <laughs> and Dwayne Eddy came out to this room and played the guitar on Broken Arrow. And it was really wow. magnificent. I hesitate to say, with all due respect, it might have been my favorite part of that movie. We'll show pictures of the room that we're in uh, at our website, score-movie.com slash podcast. A lot of cool stuff in here. All right, uh, I want to get into something really cool that we came across on the internet. The Amper AI, this is a, a software... If you need some scoring done, some music to be created. It's interesting. There's a bunch of silly. I have a couple clips that I pulled so we could chat about this. But um, Silicon Valley is pumping a bunch of money into this. It's a startup that is uh, they bill themselves as computer learned composing. (laughs) And the idea is you got a robot that is basically writing, you know, I'm sure it has certain parameters that someone actually, you know, wrote, and then it extends certain things or contracts them. But I got a couple of clips. You guys want to hear a couple I'd of like these things? I'd like to hear, and I wonder at what point the computer program says, hmm, I don't really like those ideas. Can you give me something else? Or <laughs> maybe that doesn't happen when you I have a robot writing your music. I don't know. If it will. Uh, and basically the way this works, it's, it's functioning now. So anyone who's listening to this could go to their website, ampermusic.com. It's this tool. It's all you can do it through your regular web browser. But you pick a number of categories, uh, hip-hop, cinematic, classic rock, folk music, 90s pop is one of the genres you can pick. And then there's these subcategories that you can select. Um, And I have a couple of these, and you basically pick how long you want them to run. It'll render something out, and you get something like this. So I got a couple of these cinematic ones that are supposed to be essentially film scores. Can I just ask before you play it, do you feed it any adjectives like sad, uh, romantic, nothing. Okay, nothing. Great. It's just you select one of these terms that I'll, I'll cinematic. Read the first one here is uh, dark heroic. Is the first one. You let it render for a couple seconds, and you get this. It's pretty, pretty so basic th- stuff. This is. I was going to say it's very. It's bare bones, right? You don't get to pick tempo. You can't match the the score to a scene. It's just basically a mood. So it, it definitely has some limitations. So it's sim- how polite do I have to be when I hear that piece of music? Because uh, we don't it, expect you to be polite. About with this. all due respect to AmperMusic.com, it's like the backing track of a Kylie Minogue kind of '90s mid-chart hit. With all due respect to Kylie Minogue, baby, I don't want you. So it's sort of. If that's dark and cinematic, that's a movie I don't want to see. Next. Next. Uh, but, here's, but how here's, do you really feel? Here's dark atmospheric. It doesn't feel that dark. It's it? obviously samples, and I wonder how many times you enter this in and you get the same song. Like, how many options are there, really? I yeah. have a message for all composers. Please listen carefully your jobs are not in jeopardy <laughs> yet <laughs> uh here's uh that was dark atmospheric this is inspirational atmospheric 
I'm inspired to move to the next one. <laughs> I'm inspired to hire Ramin to score my next movie. This sounds like something someone would walk down the aisle to. Like as the flower girls coming Or maybe or be in a box being rolled down the aisle. <laughs> or maybe there's a market for that. Maybe this is a wedding songs or something. Generate your songs. wedding anthem. Uh, the last clip that I have here from their cinematic package is uh, epic percussion. So think for a minute about what that'll sound like. Epic percussion. And let me play this. I have a question. When does the epic part start? <laughs> okay. Again, this I... is really good to know that people are actually, first of all, if they're investing in that, I must be doing something wrong because I would like to. Well, it just seems like a sample library and how many possible options could there be? At a certain point, you're going to either hear the same thing again or I, I, I the assume they're going to expand. Appears it. to be that you there's a number of different moods, and the biggest thing is you can customize the length of them, and it doesn't chop it, you know, in a in an ugly way somewhere in the middle. It's a clean in, and then it's all so it'll like sting out. So or the rhythm adjusts a little bit. That's that seems to be the biggest thing here. And I think at the risk of being slightly academic, I was taught that the composer is the last writer on the film. So the composer has a real point of view and is a real writer and co- brings that to the film. These are kind of custom-made wall papers that you put up against Commercial an jingles or right. something. Yeah. So they're not written with a point of view. They're just a kind of a vibey thing. And obviously, I'm going to be oversensitive to the fact that they feel very static and unemotional. But God bless them for everything <laughs> they're doing. Bless their little heart. You know, speaking of kind of music that really doesn't have a point of view let's go to the exact opposite which is ready player one yes fantastic alan silvestri score one of the great composers and also 80s music and a uh, lot of tracks kind of amazing choice of of songs i actually have here the list of songs which include prince and the Bee Gees. really kind of incredible stuff they had twisted sister and uh, blondie pretty remarkable choice of course it makes sense in the story but one of the interesting things about a song score like this is how it encourages new listeners to go back and find those tracks and actually i read how the ready player one use of these songs has increased on all the charts oh yeah these songs coming back getting new sales new streams it makes sense well yeah. how many movies do you watch and go oh or or songs you hear and you go oh that's from that movie and my dad will be like actually no that's from the record when i, when I first came out <laughs> right. <laughs> right but you know they they revive some of these classics and and put them into films and it's interesting too because spielberg is not normally uh, a soundtrack with songs kind of uh director Normally, he's a, a score-driven director, so this is kind of a new approach for him. It's new for him, and he also gives a lot of props to some folks that helped him. Not only the cast had ideas, but Toby Emmerich, who's head of that studio, who was uh, initially at a record label. He was at Atlantic Records. He apparently worked with Steven Spielberg on picking songs and making sure that they all work. So it's a very interesting point of view and uh, kind of cool and clearly not 
Amper AI generated. <laughs> Real yeah. people picked those songs. Let's get a, away better. from Amper and talk about Thank some you so much. big scores coming up after the break. We're, we're bringing him into the studio here. Ramin Javadi is going to sit down with us. We're going to talk about Game of Thrones, Westworld. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Matt Schrader here. We're back to the show in 15 seconds, but a quick thank you to everyone who's been telling a friend about Score the Podcast. We're one of the fastest growing entertainment podcasts out there right now, and that's thanks to you telling a friend. You're probably thinking of somebody else right now that enjoy the show. If it's safe to do so, Hit pause and let them know about Score the Podcast. It helps keep this show going. Now back to the show. That's an amazing piece of music to listen to and also to have the honor of being here with the composer of that piece of music sitting right across from me in his beautiful studio in Santa Monica. How great to hear the Game of Thrones theme sitting and looking at Ramin Yes, Javadi. thanks for joining us, Ramin. Oh, thanks for having me. And really exciting for me, Ramin, because I can honestly say, as we've talked about, I was there when you were just starting. And to <laughs> now be in your presence and know what you've accomplished, and uh, it's really, it makes me proud. And uh, proud big, of you, certainly. Big and, stuff. Game of Thrones, <laughs> Westworld's coming back. Um, you know him from Prison Break, Person of Interest, all kinds of huge hit TV shows. Jack Ryan, which is... Uh, That'll be big. Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. And then, of course, Iron Man. Who could forget Iron Man? Uh, and all the video games. Yeah. Huge success. We're so happy to have you on the program. Um, this is kind of a crazy time for composers uh, with, with live concerts. You're doing these huge shows. Um how do you, what, what do you think about where film music is going with, with the live concerts? I mean, people are going to sit and watch scores from TVs and, and film in person. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's an incredible time uh, for that. The, the fact that people are coming out and listening to instrumental music and listening to music from their favorite movie or video game or TV show, I think that's an incredible thing. And um, to be able to put on these concerts now... Um, it, it's been a lot of hard work. I've learned a lot, but uh, they are so much fun. Can you tell me, just tell tell all of us a little what a Game of Thrones evening is like, a live evening? What happens? Well, the idea behind it was, I mean, first of all, it started out about now, actually, four years ago. I mean, it, it started out with the idea with the showrunners in my studio. I was playing them some cues, and they said, you know what, Ramin, you should do a concert. And I took that idea, and I said, all right, I want to do it. Let's do a concert, but how about let's do a whole tour and let's do a concert like it's never been done before. Let's let's design our own stage. Let's have footage from the show. And Game of Thrones just lend itself to things like, you know, there's dragons in the show. So I thought, well, we have dragons. So how huh. about some pyro? So, it, it you know, we're north of the wall. How about some snow? And, and so I just really wanted the audience to feel like they're in Westeros when they come see their favorite show and, and relive all the scenes from all the different seasons. And... Um, and yeah, that's how the idea then came kind together. Of a, kind of a new approach to a live concert experience because you're immersing them with 
things from the show, but at the end of the day, it's it's a a classical concert. Correct, and and that's why we call it a concert experience because I really wanted to point out that there is more to it than just in quotations, just an orchestral concert. I mean, I I really wanted it to open it up to a young audience that might not necessarily just go to see an orchestra play, but then when they actually there, they realize, oh my God, that's that's what this instrument looks like. You know, so I really is it wanted, a full orchestra? It's a full orchestra and choir. Uh, wow, we have a bunch of odd instruments that I use on the show: duduk, uh, didgeridoo, a hammered dulcimer. I could go on and on. Um, and I think it's just people see, oh, that's what that instrument is that that I've been hearing on this aria theme, you know, for so long. So I think it's just a great experience. But I wanted people to know to just it's okay to have fun at a classical concert. I think and, it's really revolutionary in some ways to bring bringing an audience that they go they go to Coachella and they see one guy with a laptop and they think that's how music is made. So to see actual <laughs> players, what's it like for you? being up on the stage because you do these songs and these incredible themes but it's played in people's homes and you don't get to see their reactions so how is that different for you or is it is it a fulfilling thing to watch their faces as the themes are played it's been absolutely amazing i mean i haven't been back in my teenage days and college days i've in bands i was on stage a lot but uh, ever since i've started composing i'm in a room by myself with no windows nothing and i never get to see the really the reaction from the audience you know how they react to the score and how that all plays out. So, doing this in a concert setting and seeing the audience react is is phenomenal. You have real players playing the music, and you have an audience react immediately to it. is It's absolutely fantastic. You know, on Game of Thrones, one of the things we actually talked about just a couple of days ago and wondered. So you get to, I assume, read ahead in a Game of Thrones story or script. <laughs> and, you know, you have, right. you have, you have a, a huge worldwide audience absolutely desperate to know what happens. Do you have to, in some ways, disguise some of the music that may, you might hear in an early episode of the next season that might show what's about to happen? Do you have to be careful about it? Can you give any... I'm not asking you to give secrets to us, of course, mm-hmm. but... Does that ever come up as an issue that you have to be very select about how you foretell any narrative elements? No, absolutely. I mean, the the music is another character in the show, and and what in a show like Game of Thrones, I think what's what's fun with the music is you can steer the the audience in, in one direction, actually guide them with the music, or actually misguide them and and actually play something different, and they therefore then think something else is going to happen. So with this show, it's very calculated and I heavily rely on the showrunners David Benioff and Dan Weiss they've been very good with their vision of the music and they've been very good with telling me okay this theme you need to develop and need to write in season two because down the road this is going to happen like for example the Lannister theme we set up in season two for then the Red Wedding to come in season three and then when that theme plays people go wait well, why is the Lannister theme being played here Reigns of Casting what's going on in that you know so that the music actually sets up something is about to happen perfect <laughs> what is so, that conversation like when you're you're having that with the, talking with the showrunners about something do they say we're not gonna we're not gonna tell you what it is but can you work in a new thing and it'll make sense in a couple episodes once we tell you what the story is? How much is? Or, do you or, know? Yeah. Or will they fill you in on what no, might they, be coming? If They will fill me in. I usually, even I'm really good in keeping secrets, if, if I don't have to know, I prefer not to know. <laughs> sure, wow. Um, but if I have to know, they will tell me and they say, we need this theme to do this down the road because da-da-da-da-da, and then they actually will tell me. So It's I'm, really wonderful and so interesting. I'm, I'm 
just amazed by the answer in a couple ways. And one of them is that you have that kind of relationship with the show's creators that isn't just you take care of the music or I don't know, what do you think? But it feels like they're really involved and direct you as to musically what narrative elements they want. Uh, absolutely. I mean, a big part of why I write the music the way I write the music in Game of Thrones is because of David and Dan. I mean, we discuss every single scene, instrumentation. I mean, everything about the music is is closely collaborated with the two. It's probably why the show is so great, because they're so hands-on in a lot of ways. Well, and the music is such a character, like you said. There's so many themes and... Sometimes you know you you start on a wide shot and the and the music sort of tells you where you're headed next in the show and it 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 just really drives it. it so it, viewers should be paying attention to the, the what's going on musically, the storytelling happening there is what you're telling us. For if sure, you hear a theme, it seems a little huh, that's different. Yeah, Maybe that means something. Absolutely, music is always telling a story and it's a it's a big part of the show. Well, and that fan base, they're always on to stuff, right? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, no, they, they play close attention. I mean, that also in season six, I mean, that, that big uh, piece with Cersei, um, there we also actively decided, actually, let's not play the Lannister theme, which could have been the obvious for Cersei. Uh, and we said, no, let's have a new piece. And we even decided actively to use the piano, which until that point had never been used in the show. In six seasons, there was never any piano. Wow. So we said, the piano itself, people will kind of sit up and go, wait, what's that sound? We haven't heard this before. Something is Something's off. Something's not Remarkable right. Remarkable attention to detail. I'm now going to listen even more carefully. Well, I mean, I was told a story which I don't, which sounds kind of mythic now, but I don't know if it's accurate. I know that you went to Berkeley, and a big shout out to Berkeley because I took piano lessons at Berkeley, and now I'm a professor of music and media in Berkeley, Valencia. So I have great affection for Berkeley and I know I say all that because I know that the entire Berkeley undergraduate and graduate groups are going to be listening to this because you are a hero there of course I was told and tell me if any of this is accurate someone said you know Ramin you know it was sort of it was almost an epic story. He hitchhiked across the country, you know, on the back of a truck with a guitar and a backpack and knocked on Hans Zimmer's back door and he was could I have a glass of water and, and maybe you have something I could sweep up? I just want to work for you. Is any of that, I was actually told that Ramin came to, to Hans Zimmer's studio, remote control, knocked on the door and said, is there anything I can do? Any of that even close to accurate? Pretty much. Yeah, really? I, yeah pretty much. I mean, I, wow. uh, I did go to Berkeley, which I absolutely loved. It was oh, that's great. an incredible experience. And I did show up with a guitar in a suitcase and went to Berkeley and, and studied there, and, and uh, it was just, yeah, fantastic. But then, uh, by pure coincidence, I got a hookup with, with Hans and, and uh, what is now Remote Control Productions, and I just kind of showed up here and, and was allowed to help out. I didn't do any music at first at all. It was do you just, remember your first day here, what you did? Uh, was it making tea, or...? It was actually fixing samplers I think just making sure that they were all loaded and this was back in the days with emu samplers like before it really computers wow. took off and um, and funny enough I didn't know anything about technology I really didn't know much <laughs> and of course I just lied my way through it and they asked me do you know about this all these 
pieces of equipment. I said, of course I do. Jump on Google, <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, so no, this was before Google. Right. This was right before Google took off. So I had to figure it out with manuals or oh, wow. um, actually the community here is actually really great. So some of the other assistants, actually, I would just run out in the hallway and say, I don't know how to restart that. What do I do? And they would help me out. So I what, just I had to learn quickly. What's that apprenticeship thing like now that you're... Uh, you know, doing big projects, do you give that back? Are you answering the door to somebody knocking, saying, hey, I'd love to work here? Absolutely. I mean, in fact, the the last three or four people that have worked with me all uh, were came out of the kitchen here from remote control. So they did internships, and I needed a new person to uh, to work with me, and I, uh, I would just grab them from there. I think we're probably going to have to edit this out of the podcast because you're about to have 750,000 yeah, people. Yeah, we won't put the people. address up. Here come the emails. <laughs> okay. Or just uh, so. write Ramin Javadi <laughs> care of remote control kitchens. Um, but that's a wonderful story. And I'd, I'd also, do you remember, because it's, it's so interesting to hear someone's progression. Was there a day where someone said, can you write this? Can you orchestrate this? You've just plugged in the samplers. Do you have any ideas for the rhythm for this cue? How did that bridge occur that you walked over to say, I'm actually musical and capable? It was a slow uh, progress. I mean, the big thing was to, and I always say this when I talk to uh, Berkeley students or any students or, or people starting out, it's it's really, a, the big thing is it's about the attitude, you know, about working hard and having a good attitude. So, they wanted just to see here, can I work these long hours? Am I up for anything you know, helpful? And then I slowly, actually I worked with a, um, another German composer named Klaus Badelt, and um, he had me start up with uh, just uh, arrangements and programming. Mm. First I just did drum programming, and then I was allowed to do more and more little by little. Um, I would say my big break was probably on the first Pirates yeah. movie. Where and Hans can tell the story a lot better than me. I'm not very good at telling that story, but it was there was this one scene that was kind of up for grabs, and it was already it was late at night already, and and I just kind of raised my hand and said, "Hey, can I have a go at this?" And everybody was like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" And so I stayed the night and just wrote the cue overnight, and and it uh, Gore and Hans, everybody really liked the cue, and then wow, from then it really kind of took off for me. Do you do you think back and say, "Man, I'm glad I raised my hand." <laughs> that kind of changed yeah, everything, which right? is not even in my nature. I'm usually pretty quiet, and I'm not very a very pushy person. I just kind of believe in hard work, and but it was one of those things where I was here and just carefully offered my help, and and they said, "Sure, why not?" It was and your moment. I think it's the best advice. You said two things that are absolutely critical: attitude is great, being willing, and the fact that you were quiet means that when you raised your hand that meant you were ready to, to go into battle. You didn't do it on air. Hey, I'll do that. Hey, I'll do that. Hey, I'll do that. Like a puppy. You said, this is the moment. And I think it's a wonderful, wonderful story. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk Westworld. It's coming back. Everyone's excited. So we'll break that down. Also uh, reminisce a little on Iron Man. But first, a little music psychology. The Inside Track with music psychologist Dr. Sulan Tan. At the end of a musical phrase, music can sound like it's still continuing and has more to say. Or like it has ended.
In a study by Thompson, Rousseau, and Sinclair, they showed that whether the music feels like it has ended or will continue can affect to what degree we feel like a film scene has ended or will continue. Compare the second and third Matrix films, scored by Don Davis. Here's how The Matrix Reloaded ends. And here's the ending of The Matrix Revolutions. One leaves us at a point of high tension musically. The other gives more closure, but still leaves some degree of openness. It's also possible that people read different degrees of closure into the same musical endings. For instance, here's the end of Up with music by Michael Giacchino. A number of research studies suggest that some listeners focus more on what happens to the melody, the high notes you hear in the piano. In that case, the ending is musically quite open. Others are more sensitive to what's happening in the harmony, the low notes you hear in the piano. If that's you, this ending will feel more closed because the last chords return back to the tonic chord, or home bass. This allows individual viewers to feel different degrees of openness and closure in the music and plays an important part in shaping the way they experience this final scene. Lastly, lack of closure can also be powerful. At the end of Inception, Hans Zimmer's music builds up expectations for a grand musical close. Instead, we come to a quiet ending with the final image of a spinning top and a few soft strains of sound. picture and sound cut off abruptly. Not only is there no closure musically, there's no closure sonically, as the final tone doesn't fade away naturally. We finish that sound in our minds as we do the meaning of the closing sequence. So in the final scene, the last musical notes are as important as the last visual image to tune where on that scale of tension and resolution we're finally left at the end of a film. Dr. Sulan Tan is a leading researcher in the study of film music and the author of many books, including her latest, Psychology of Music, From Sound to Significance, available now at score-movie.com slash podcast. Hey, we're back with Ramin Javadi in his wonderful studio. That was the theme from 
Westworld, which we're listening to, and um, it's a perfect day to talk about this because this weekend, this weekend we have uh, the return of Westworld, and with yes, and we we listened to that amazing piece of music that you put together for the trailer. It's a cover. It's Nirvana, right? It yeah. is heart shaped box. Uh, yeah. Is it ordinary? I wanted to ask you a question about the Westworld, the opening sequence. But is it ordinary for you to score a trailer? Uh, not really. I mean, normally uh, the composer of a show or movie is not involved with the trailer. Uh, but uh, in this case, I, I was. And I think it's actually great because you really can stay true to the show and, and really make it's the same sound. It's part of what we do on the show and these cover songs. And uh, so I uh, have to give the, the showrunner. Did they bring the you credit. this song? As yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jonah uh, said, you know, let's do this song. And can you can you do an arrangement? And uh and, and this is something that's been also in season one, and of course now in season two we have lots coming, that uh, where he will he will have ideas, you know, same like on Game of Thrones. It's I'm working very closely with the showrunners, and he will have ideas, and I'll go out and execute them and bring them back, and we listen and tweak. And does that cue even appear in the season, if you can say, or is that just for the trailer? Because that's a lot of work just for the trailer. That's pretty cool that they spent the time on that. Yeah, but it's—I mean—it's it's such a substantial trailer. People are so excited to yeah. to see this coming back, yeah. and it was—it was. It was I, I had a blast doing it. If that was released as its own piece of music, it's uh, really incredible. They should do the, that with yeah. all kinds of classic songs. Yeah. That would be awesome. Ooh, I think we have a new project for you. <laughs> In between doing Game of Thrones concert tour, scoring eleven. Yeah, you don't need projects. sleep. Nobody <laughs> needs sleep. Of course, I'm sure you've been asked Sorry, actually, about the, this. the track is actually is actually out. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it is I'll actually look for out. It. Yeah. One of the things that amazed me was the Westworld opening sequence and how they actually used your piano to have, you know, the skeleton playing. They, they animated it. And I was this is my chance to ask, whose idea? Um, was that surprising to you? Was that Here's what we want to do. We want a piano theme because we want to show a kind of disembodied hand playing. How did that come together? Because it's so wonderful. Yeah, what was nice with the creation of the main title was that actually uh, Game of Thrones, for example, was the opposite where the visuals already existed. Mm -hmm. And I wrote the music to the visuals. This one was different because the visuals were created in parallel while I was writing the music. So, So Jonah actually showed me storyboards of what they had in mind and it was all about the creation and uh, of you know with with robots and everything so he said the music kind of needs to res- uh, resemble that too and so it needs to start very small and then just kind of build from there um and and so then the good thing was that we had the theme that that, that the piece was written so it could uh, we were able to animate to the music and then i don't know who had the idea but then the idea came of well let's actually film the fingers and have it animated so that this actually is playing the actual It's notes. actually, it's so rare, as you know, in movies, I will always be the one that sees someone in the scene is playing piano and you're hearing piano, but it's completely divorced from what the hands are doing. You know, you see somebody playing and you say, their hands are playing the upper register, but all you hear is a bass line. Right. How can they do that? This is spot on. You it's- see him play him you see that hand play the notes of the theme mm-hmm. yeah we actually filmed my hands playing the piano oh, oh it's your it hand so, yeah it was recreated Ooh, that's cool. there's a big secret <laughs> big reveal on score the podcast <laughs> um and we also in in the first season we did it with the player piano where we would actually um 
I would send out the the notes and and created that that it could be that the player piano could be recreated. So when you see the piano roll rolling, you can actually see the actual notes being played of what you hear. So it is actually accurate. that's cool. So yeah. you're involved in in other creative aspects beyond the literal music. It's it's you're also kind of a consultant on other musical principles that they're using in the show. Right. Yeah. It's just. Because the player piano is such a big part of the show, so we we just really wanted yeah. to make that it's accurate. Yeah, it's a, it's it is a character in the show. You see it so many. And years. so great to have the composer involved in the filmmaking. Can I ask a question too about Westworld, if you guys don't mind? Um, the one of the the big principles that is in the story is this idea of the human world kind of crossing over with this you know robotic world, and you're not really sure where the edges are. Um, what what do you think of musically? How do you approach that? Because I noticed a couple things and some pieces of music from the soundtrack that um, and in the in the show as well that sound very synthy. It's kind of some reversed sounds and some other things that are just almost accents over piano and some other things like that. But I assume those are all consciously placed, like a robotic touch to human music kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, definitely. I mean, it's. I think the beauty of the show, from a musical point, is, is that there's this wide range. On the one hand, we we are in Westworld, so there's I used acoustic guitars and all these organic instruments to kind of represent that that time period. But at the same time, because they are robots and it's a theme park, you can go way the other way and just use synthesizers when you're inside the control room. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a very accurately placed. Um, sound elements and and I experimented a lot with uh, just creating sounds for the show. Speaking of creating sounds, uh, I want to switch over to some blockbuster movies. Uh, going back to Iron Man, you worked on that with John Favreau. It was kind of the first big Marvel movie. You really went heavy with the electric guitar, and it's you know over the the orchestra, and it's it's very noticeable, and it's a it's a big part of the score. What what inspired that? Was that your idea, or did was it Favreau? That what was that conversation like? Yeah, again, I have to give big credit to to John on this one because I mean, on every project before I start, I always like to talk to my director or producer and just before I even write, I just I, I just listen and and hear what 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 is their vision, what do they want to do with their film, and you get a lot of information from that. And John was the one that kept saying, "No, I want more guitar." But Tony Stark is a he's a rock and roll guy, and you know he's fun, and let's let's make it more guitar. And um, so he's, John is a big reason why it's so guitar heavy. And I think it made it for a very original idea. I think it's, it's a great idea. How much of this came from, uh, it, it was, was influenced by, I, I suppose, the, the uh, you know, Black Set, uh, Iron Man, the song. Um, was, there a, was there a certain influence that came out of that with the guitars as well? Well, sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the name itself was kind of obvious and uh, Definitely, that that was an influence. I mean, for me, even it was rock music was always a big influence because growing up as a teenager, I was uh, heavily influenced by rock and metal, and and I may, uh, guitar is in fact my main instrument. That I can actually play that better. Than, I'm not a good piano player, um, so that was right up my alley. So I love working with guitar. Can you tell us a little about Jack Ryan and what's coming up? Have you started writing for it? I have started writing on it. I'm not sure if I can say that much at this <laughs> when point. Does it, I'm just curious. When does it come up? It, is it August? It's August. Mm. Yeah, it'll come out in August. And uh, very excited about the show. It's I think it's it's really good. Great writing, great acting again. And, oh, that's um, great. I'm just very excited about it. That's good. I'm just curious. Is it? Do you feel it's a uh, 
Is it an acoustic or an orchestral? Is it electronic? Is it rock? Is it pop? I'm just curious the sound. It's a bit of both, actually. It's uh, it's definitely there's orchestral elements, but it's also electronic. It's, uh, it's a nice hybrid, I would say. Oh, that's great. Yeah, looking, looking forward, forward to, to it. it. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up after the break, we're playing the game. Name, Name that, that score. score. And the topic, Matt? Uh, Hans Zimmer scores. I think, Ramin, you may have worked on a couple of these. So, oh. uh, right around the hall. Right, right, around the, right, around right the down hall the hallway here. <laughs> That's right. All right, we'll be right back with Name That Score right after this. Hey, Matt Schrader here, director of Score, of film music documentary. For the latest news from the film music world, follow us on Facebook. Just search Score, a film music documentary. Or let us know who you want to hear next on the show on Twitter, at Score the Podcast. Welcome back to Score the Podcast. We're inside Remote Control Productions here with Ramin. And uh, we're going to jump right into it. It's time for Name That Score. Here we go. Get ready to play Name That Score. The film music game where a perfect score means you, yes you, could be a winner. Now let's play Name That Score. There we go. So today's theme is Hans Zimmer scores. I mean, you may have worked on a couple of these, so you might have you might have a slight advantage. But uh, all of the clips will be played in reverse um, because these are, are Hans Zimmer themes. Uh, they are from fairly prominent movies. Um, we will play them backwards, and if anyone gets all five questions right, we give away a prize on our Twitter account. Hey. Um, just mention name that score uh, at score the podcast. Um, so today's game is Hans Zimmer score themes. Question one. All right, that's clip number one. The options here are Gladiator, Inception, and The Thin Red Line. Can we hear the clip again? Because I, I like it when you say the titles. Oh, sure. And then we get to hear it. So, so we have Gladiator, Inception, he's trying to cheat. The Thin Red Line. Doing. Good. Robert. <laughs> I'm going to say that's from Bye Bye Birdie. I don't know why, but I have... Um, I'm going to say that it's not Thin Red Line because it's not a part of the Thin Red Line score. I recognize being kind of up-tempo. I, this is a long way of saying I don't know. I'm going with Inception for no other reason. Robert than, goes with Inception. Our options I again, guess. Gladiator, Inception, the Thin Red Line. Guesses? I would say Inception, actually. It sounds backwards Really cool and almost just as amazing as forward, actually. So I'm uh, definitely going with Inception. I'm, I'm going to go Inception, too. I think, <laughs> I think that's Inception. Mm, good call. Our answer? Points for everybody. It is from Inception. Some of the epic uh, build, end of, end of one of the builds that uh, Hans does in the movie. So points for everybody on that one. Uh, we're one for one. Moving on to question Number two in reverse here. Is Tell this yeah. uh, from Dunkirk, The Dark Knight, or Pearl Harbor? Uh, say that again. It was Dunkirk, Dunkirk, The Dark Knight, and Pearl Harbor are the options. I would say that sounded pretty much like The Dark Knight to me. I'm going to agree with Ramin. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a lock for Dark Knight. 
Points for everybody again. All right. It's interesting. This is one of those sounds a little bit different backwards, but the, the texture is still there. And the rhythm. All right. So points for everybody. We're moving on to we question three. Everybody's perfect so far. <laughs> uh, question number three. Doing Hans Zimmer scores here. No, name that score. Is this from Interstellar, Crimson Tide, or Black Hawk Down? Now it's getting hard. That's a hard one. Um, Interstellar, Crimson Interstellar, Tide. Crimson Tide, Black Hawk Down. I think it's my turn to go first. I, go ahead. Otherwise, people are going to think I'm just piggybacking all day. Fire away. Uh, I'm going to go with Crimson Tide. Okay. But that, I'm just winging it. I have no I'm idea. going with your wing it. I, I'll, you know what? If we're going down together, we're, we'll have company. <laughs> Crimson Tide. I think I... I would have to disagree. I, <clears throat> I, I think I hear that organ in there, and therefore I would say Interstellar. I, you, I must admit, <sighs> Ramin has a point. I was going to say, we should just let him go Points first. for Ramin. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no fair. <laughs> and uh, for uh, Robert and Kenny. Thank you so you much. You lost that one. So uh, Last time I he loves, to, <laughs> he loves to point out that buzzer just to rub it. <laughs> Can you play it forward? Yeah, here's the, uh, the full version of this. The organ set it off. It's an inside job. <laughs> All right, so question number four. Uh, Ramin is uh, up a point. The last point is worth double, so there's an opportunity for you guys mm. to come back, but you need Ramin to miss one here. So question number four. Our options here, Sherlock Holmes, Pirates of the Caribbean, or Madagascar. You want to hear one more time? Please. Yeah, I already know it. At least I think I know it. I might embarrass myself. Sherlock Holmes, Pirates of the Caribbean, Madagascar. It has a very Jack Sparrow feel to me. That kind of... Going pirates? I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Ramin, I'm going to... Checking out and let somebody else. Yeah, go. this one I'm actually. That's this is the first one where I'm also. The, I I might say pirates too. It's you want to hear it's it again. E- either pirates or Sherlock. I don't know. You want to hear it again? Yeah. I think I'm going to stick with pirates too. Pirates. Well, just because I'm, you know, like to zig when others zag. I'm going Sherlock. I never would have thought of it, <laughs> but I'm going to try that. All right. We do have a winner. Two of them, Kenny and Ramin, <laughs> both right. get points for that one. Robert. Uh, here's the uh, the full version of that from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. It's you that right. kind of yeah. waddling through that, the that swaying <laughs> boat <Yeah>. drunk. <laughs> All right, so Ramin stays perfect. We're going on to the last oh, question. Oh, now here. we're just we're rooting for Ramin, so someone wins a prize here. So question number five, is this from, uh, we got a recent film here, Blade Runner 2049, The Da Vinci Code, or 12 Years a Slave? Again, Blade Runner 2049, The Da Vinci Code, or 12 Years a Slave? 
Ramin should go last since he's in first place. I think that's how golf works. I'll least. go first because I have no <laughs> idea. But I'm going to say not 12 years a slave because I remember that being a slightly smaller sound of a score. Um, da Vinci Code, tell me the other one. Which Blade guess. Runner 2049, the Da Vinci Code. I'm saying Code Da Vinci Code just because Blade Runner was a little more evangelicy, synthy. Yeah, it's right in the middle. 12 years is a little smaller, so I'm going Da Vinci. That was total guess. You took all my reasons. I'm going to go with the, the same answer. All right. I'm, I'm going to agree with that too because I think it all makes sense. All right. This means who? This means if, if we're all right, Ramin wins. And if we're all wrong, Ramin wins. But uh, here is your answer. Everybody yeah, gets points. Right. It is from the Da Vinci Code. So Ramin, Ramin was worried about uh, getting all these right, but he was <laughs> right on on all of these. So uh, he is our winner for today. Wow, that I think you may have just set a new record for podcasts. <laughs> you got everything right. I was very nervous, actually, especially with Hans' scores. So I, I thought, oh, I can't screw this up. I don't you know it. scores very well. I'm going to tell Hans. Well, the, let me just sweep it. The Dark Knight one, I'm, I cheated maybe a little bit too because I worked on that. I was going to say. The Batman Begins, so I thought, okay, any of I those think. scores, do you remember working on? And yeah, Batman yeah, definitely perfect. was one. Yeah. There's a little advantage. Don't we get like extra points? He worked on them. <laughs> I know. You guys, are, you guys are supposed to be the experts. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, so, uh, on the next one, can you do one of my scores? <laughs> yeah. I just have to make a score. Right. I'll go do something yeah. on a piano. We'll and play that. It'll, yeah. What a great, great time I've had being with you. Likewise. And get, yeah, catching up and hearing it's been great to have all your you incredible on. music and wonderful achievements and watching you get a perfect score on Name That Score. <laughs> and because uh, you were perfect, that means we're doing a giveaway on our Twitter account, so uh, someone is going to win a prize courtesy of Ramin Javadi. All right. Nice. Make sure to follow us at Score the Podcast. And a reminder, this is a new show. We're still trying to get it going, so if you like what you hear, please tell a friend, follow us on social media, and be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And uh, if you want to watch Score, a film music documentary, which inspired this podcast, you can go to score-movie.com and pick that up. Goodbye for all of us, and thanks, Ronnie. Thank you for having me. It was a blast.